Hey everyone, if you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com. Thanks. Hi, I'm Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, Exit Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. This week coming to us from New York is Mrs. Amy Gordon Fisher. Amy, how's it going? Pretty good. Awesome. And uh, Amy has many different experiences that she's going to share today, but I know one thing I'm definitely going to be asking you about is your previous work as a past life um, regression therapist. So that's something our audience can look forward to. But first, I wanted to announce our relationship, which is uh, you are my dad's first wife, and I have an ex-wife, so I find this extraordinarily awesome that... Uh, the son of your <laughs> ex-husband is interviewing you for a podcast with my dad obviously uh, connecting us. And so it gives me a lot of hope for all sorts of relationships in the future and other people. So thank you is what I'm trying to say. No, it, it is a little odd, but, but interesting. Yeah, definitely. So um, we don't need to get into any of that because it doesn't really have anything to do with the podcast. But I do want to ask you the standard questions I ask um, all my guests, which is what generation do you think you belong to and where did you grow up? Oh, okay. Uh, well, I was uh, born in 1949, if that helps. And um, I guess I consider myself a, a 60s child um, because that's when everything really interesting happened. Um, and I grew up in uh, Scarsdale, New York. Awesome. And uh, you and my father met in New York or in Massachusetts? Well, we actually met in Massachusetts. Uh, I was going to Boston University and he was going to Columbia. And one of our mutual friends, um, I think, had sublet one of us the apartment, maybe sublet it to me for my senior year at BU. And your father was moving out and I was moving in. Wow, that's cool. Um, and so I'm bringing all this up because uh, to me it's very relevant because your career path has been pretty diverse. So, uh, why don't you explain to us uh, all of your different career choices or what you think is relevant? Okay. I don't think you have enough time for all of it, so I'll try to shorten it. Um, uh, after I got out of college, uh, your father and I lived in California for a short time uh, when he was going to do computerized astrology. And then we lived in Florida for several years while he was gambling at the dog track. And in the summers, we would uh, travel across Europe for a few months at a time. But uh, we both had this very deep interest in, uh, I'll say, deeper knowledge, some kind of forbidden information, you know, hidden information of the meaning of life. You know, we were seekers of the truth in capitals. So we did a lot of reading, a lot of investigation. We went to the Edgar Casey Institute in Virginia Beach. Um, we read a lot of Paramahansa Yogananda. We used to give out the autobiography of a yogi as like a Christmas gift and to our friends who all thought we were crazy, you know, because nobody was into it then, you know. So they all thought we were totally nuts. Um, and, you know, we were a little. So, um, you know, we also did Roy Davies in Florida for meditation and we read a lot of Gurdjieff. Um, if anybody wants to go ahead and read that, I'd advise meetings with remarkable men <laughs> as a beginning. So it was always the search for, you know, some kind of esoteric knowledge. I also was um, a complete interest in traveling and traveling to far off lands. And I guess that was because I was a reader from my youth. 
So I always wanted to go to Egypt and um, Iran and Afghanistan and all those kind of places that, you know, normal people really don't want to go. I guess Egypt is pretty normal. Um, later on, I did that. But um, in between that, I, I guess the studies that your father and I did during that period really um, set us both off in different paths. We actually even uh, did Scientology for about three months. Um, I don't know if I should be embarrassed to say that, but <laughs> I was never going to admit that on this podcast about my dad. So you just outed him and I love it. <laughs> well, actually he want we would did that in LA and he wanted us to move to New York and like give out pamphlets for them for free or something. And at that point I put my foot down. Well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> no, that was really, you know, how they were going to find out who we were with this little black box was, you know, beyond my imagination. Um, so, um, we went on from there. Eventually, I um, did leave and moved to Greece. <laughs> and I lived in Greece for about six years. So that was a new adventure in living for me. Um, I really never wanted to live a very traditional life. And that was one of the ways in which I was fulfilling that goal. So I just, you know, did my life in Greece. I won't waste a lot of time on that because that would be a whole other podcast. And I came back to America in, I guess, around 1980, 1981. And I became a business person. I went into the menswear business and I was in uh, the menswear business um, as a sales manager and uh, merchandising menswear lines for almost 18, 20 years. That was, I guess, what I'll call my um, normal time. <laughs> I um, got married. I raised two children who are um, you know, the joys of my life at this point. And um, my traveling was narrowed down to going to Italy for fabrics, um, occasional trips abroad otherwise, but nothing as exciting as it had been before. So um, where am I? I'm up to uh, working. And through those years, I continued to read. And, um, you know, I, I still had a, an interest in a more spiritual life of whatever that means. Um, and one day, one of my friends was having lunch with me, and she said to me that she was going to take a hypnosis course down on 14th Street in New York at the um, NLP and Hypnosis Institute. And I said, wow, that sounds really interesting. I'd love to do that. I said, but I have two young children and, you know, how can I leave them? It's every other weekend. And I went home and I spoke to my husband and he said, oh, go do it. And um, I began my classes in hypnotherapy, which was exceedingly interesting to me. Um, so so um, I learned how to be a hypnotherapist which was very diverse than being a sales manager. So uh, I started doing hypnotherapy. I left menswear. And after I was doing hypnotherapy, I took a course in past life regression. So my main entry into past life regression was through reading Dr. Brian Weiss. And if, if nobody has read the book, Many Lives, Many Masters, um, I would suggest reading that. That was my first ever favorite nonfiction book. Oh, really? Okay. Well, you know, I, I know people who read that and they 
wound up like changing their whole opinion of life. Um, you know, because you have to reconsider everything. Because, you know, here you have a Columbia grad, Yale Medical School, a psychiatrist. I think he headed up one of the psychiatry departments at, um, in Miami. And yet he was, I guess, the first Western scientist who started talking about past life regression as being real. So I guess, you know, I didn't need to be convinced in, in that way. But a lot of people do need to be convinced that a real Western scientist say, hey, this might be real. And as you know from reading the book, you know how he goes about it. He's, uh, he was regressing someone to um, find past traumas in their childhood. And this person kept going back to lives before that. So he started taking it seriously. I did take a course with him one time, and um, it was just amazing what he could do. He, he could... Um, have a patient sit there he could almost just touch their forehead in the middle i mean i'm not going to say it's the third eye. i don't i don't think that's what he was doing but in some way he could immediately put them into a hypnotic state it, it was fa fascinating and amazing to see you know that was totally mind-blowing because they were truly hypnotized and it's not like what people think you know you're going to quack like a duck you know um but he could actually put them in a hypnotic state that simply, which was fascinating. Um, I could not do that. I just took the traditional learning of hypnosis of, you know, really a, um, a relaxation, a, a physical um, relaxation technique of guiding them through their body to relax each part of their body and then using a, other techniques to put them in a more hypnotic state. Um, you know, and when Somebody would ask me, what do you feel like when you're in hypnosis, when you've been hypnotized, because everybody has this strange idea about it, um, is I think the easiest way to think about it is think about when you're driving in your car and you're driving on the highway and you're going to exit 42 and your mind is wandering, whatever. And all of a sudden you look up and there's the sign for exit 42 and you say, oh, my God, this is my exit. How did I get here? And you go, I got here somehow. Well, to me, it means that your mind is doing what it does best. It's taking care of itself. And all of a sudden, you just came to when the exit approached. So I think our, our, our conscious mind, our unconscious mind, I guess, is really taking care of us. You know, it's kind of taking care of business, which is what the mind is supposed to do. And the other part of us is somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're dreaming. I, I don't know what you're doing, but you somehow drove the car there and you got there and you got out where you were supposed to. Can I ask you like a, I mean, it's not a weird question. I'm sure you've encountered it before, but for me, I always ask myself, well, who's the real me? Is the me the guy dreaming or is me the guy in the dream or is me the guy who's aware of both the guy who dreams and the dream? Well, uh, of course, of course you would ask that question, but you know, my my opinion is you're both. I mean, I, you, you know, you must be both because your car got there and you still must have been, and you must have been somewhere else too. So, um, because you weren't conscious that you got there. So I think it, you're both, <laughs> but that's, that's just my opinion. Do you think when you die, both of those yous lives, or do you think one lives? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, 
And I, I don't understand how uh, one could have any idea. I mean, I think it's unfathomable to know that. So for me, when, when I hypnotize somebody um, and they wanted to do a past life regression, the question is more, what purpose could, can this serve you in this lifetime? I mean, what questions do you have? Or if you want to do lots of past life regression, what questions do you have? What, what answers are you looking for that can help you in this lifetime? So when you do, uh, when I work with someone on a past life regression, then you're basically asking them to come up with a question of um, what do you want to find out? You know, do you want to find out, you know, if you should um, leave your husband, do you want to find out why you're suddenly interested in religion or whatever question that might happen to be. And you lead them through the regression from the beginning of, of where they find themselves in that life to the end of life. And you ask them to look around wherever they are to see whom they're with and if they recognize that person. So it's said that you go through possibly with the same person or the same soul in many different lifetimes. So we ask, do you recognize anyone? And they say, oh, yeah, I mean, they don't look like that person, but I know that's my sister or or whomever that might be. And then if you take them through that life until their death, the question is, how did you die? Um, who was around you? And what did you learn? So it's really about what did you learn from this experience? Um, and what you learn from this experience maybe can help you live a better life in this life. So interestingly enough, nobody, um, when I ask them the question, um, what did you learn from this lifetime? What, what could you have done better? What, could have, what would you have wanted to do differently? No one ever said to me, I wish I had a better stock portfolio. <laughs> you know, no one, no one ever said, you know, I wish I had a bigger house. And, you know, no one ever, ever said anything materialistic. What they really did say was so interesting. I wish I had done more in my life. I led such a boring life. You know, I wish I hadn't been so meek to experience things. I wish I, I would have let myself love more. I mean, it, the, those were the, the really deep things that all different people from all different walks of life said. That's what they came up with. I mean, I wish I hadn't. Can you imagine saying I wish I hadn't had such a boring life? You know, that, that they basically like kind of just went along with everything and did nothing. You know, they just got married. They had children, you know, but they really did nothing. Or they didn't experience more of life. And that to me was very profound because time after time, you know, everybody would say, I wish I had done more. I wish I had loved more. I wish I had experienced more. I mean, this is so profound to me. And I, I have so many questions I want to ask, but I, they feel unnecessary because they're personal <laughs> and not uh, for the mainstream. But like, would... Would people would people want to trade? It's just interesting because you mentioned like a boring. You didn't say a boring life consists of having a family and children, but you did say that some of these people said like I just followed the path. I had a family and children, so like I see a lot of contradictions in like to me the pinnacle of love is a family, but also the pinnacle of like conflict is usually in a family. Um, 
And so I'm wondering, like, with my own life, like, I've pursued a lot of, like, arts and entertainment goals, and none of them have panned out, but the experience of trying to achieve them has been totally worth it. So I'm wondering, at the end of this life, what I'm going to regret. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, hopefully, um, you know, you don't have a lot of regrets. I mean, because you're doing what you feel you're supposed to be doing, and you have a family that you love. Um, what what more um, could you want than that? Um, it doesn't have to be, as I said, you know, how much money you have or what kind of house you live in, or even if you pu um, publish a novel. You know, the reality is what you've done to do all of those things. I mean, the experience in my life, they weren't all successful, but they've been very interesting. I mean, I haven't I've had a very interesting life. Um, you know, I have no regrets about that. Yeah. And I, I feel at this moment in time i'm 40 years old that i won't have regrets i actually strongly feel that way and um but it's interesting because the thing i chase is like to me materialistic in, in essence which is success like you mentioned publication like directly being acknowledged by someone with keys to a gate is a goal of mine and yet i've heard from everyone who passes that gate that it doesn't really fulfill you right Right. So I'm so I'm wondering with all this regression, because again, I mean, just to make it clear to my audience, I totally believe that this is not fake and that people do have past experiences. What I don't understand is how time works and how it, it intersects. We have no idea what time is. I mean, we don't we don't really. It's a. I mean, you know, I think it's a construct. I mean, you. What's the difference? I mean, with between LA time and New York time. I mean, when we're living in, you know, supposedly the same universe. I mean, so, I mean, I mean, so it's a construct we've used because we don't know how to categorize our lives in any other way. I mean, it's, it's what I believe. I mean, I think it's probably what Einstein believed. <laughs> yeah. And I love it and I don't understand it. So I'm going to beg you to please elaborate. Like, can you explain more about how it's a construct and yet it completely dominates virtually every human I know's existence? Well, I mean, it, it's just like saying, um, what happens after you die? I mean, we can't handle these concepts, I don't believe, as humans. I mean, I, I don't think we're, we have the ability to understand that. I don't think we have to, un, to understand time. I mean, we created time so we could count the hours in a day so people could figure out when to farm, you know, when to plant, when to do this. I mean, and now we're even more precise because we plan our lives, you know, to the minute. But what is time? You know, what what is death? I mean, do we understand any of those things? I mean, I don't believe there is a, a time other than humans created so they could keep track of things. Um, there are people who believe there are, are um, time is there are parallel universes that, that things are going on concurrently, that there is no past or, or now or future. Well, so that's that's what I'm trying to get to the essence of is there's something off in my ability to comprehend. And I'm sure what you said is accurate, which is we just can't handle these concepts. But if you're able to put someone in this lifetime in a regression and then they're able to tap into a previous quote unquote, I'm using that quotes around previous life then they're trying to learn from that life to do something different in this life. Does that inherently then mean that this life comes after that life? Because obviously you're using the previous experience to affect your decisions in this one, right? Well, maybe it's happening at the same time, but we just can't understand that. 
And that's the, that, that's what I'm dying to know is that when, when you have a patient go back in time, and this is just the most cliche fake example, and they say they were Cleopatra, does Cleopatra's life suddenly change? <laughs> I don't think we can understand it. I mean, that's, that's what I believe. I don't, I don't, I think it's unfathomable. Any of these things, I think they're unfathomable. So to me, um, my only point with the people I work with is whatever information you're getting, there's a reason it's coming up for you. And if you can use that in your current life, in the now, as we think of the now, to help you to improve your life, to have more joy in your life, um, to experience more, then put it to use. It, we don't have to know it. <laughs> I mean, you know, we keep trying to know these things, but why not just use whatever comes up to make our lives happier? I mean, I did the same thing you did. You know, I, I wanted to find the answers. I wanted to read something. I wanted to know something. I wanted to travel somewhere. I wanted some secret information. You know? But but we can't get there. Um, I believe we can't get there. I mean, trust me, I, you know, I tried for about 70 years. You know, it, it's it's very difficult. But, you know, if you, you know, I'll give you a very brief example. You know, I had a, I had a, a man who came in for... Um, a past life regression. And he came in, you know, nine o'clock in the morning, he was going to work, you know, he'd taken, I guess, you know, a couple hours off, he, uh, you know, took his tie off, sat in my hip, nice hypnosis chair. And, you know, I said, why are you here? And what's your question? And he said, I have this some certain yearning to like go back to the church. And my wife thinks it's really strange and she's not for it. And, you know, I want to find out what it is. So we put him into a hypnotic state and he went back into this lifetime because that was the question, you know, what is your, you know, go back to the lifetime where, you know, you're yearning for this religious um, connection um, that happened. So he went back into a lifetime that happened during the Crusades and he was a soldier in the Crusades, you know, they're forced to march. So it's not like you have a choice. And in most wars, similarly, and he um, got injured. Um, and he decided he got injured in his leg or his knee and he decided to, you know, quit. He said, I had enough. And he went off into the woods and he found a monastery and he joined the monastery and, um, he, he would, you know, he lived there for many years. Um, okay. So when he came back to uh, life, you know, in my office, he said, wow, that makes a lot of sense to me, you know, um, so there's really, you know, I have a very deep connection to religion and, you know, certainly there's nothing wrong for me. And I said to him, by the way, do you have, you know, any injuries or anything, any scars? He had an injury on his leg, an unexplained mark on his leg. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, so believe it or not, and that's what I would tell people, believe it or not, something useful might come up for you. Well, and so let me ask uh, two quick questions from that story, that anecdote. Um, one, did he know what he told you or do you have to retell him or do you tape record and play it for him? That's my first question. No, it's kind of like watching a story. It's like watching a movie. So, you know, and that's that's what I tell people before, you know, they kind of, you, you know, use the hypnosis for them to go there is just watch it like you're watching a movie, you know, and they say, well, I don't know if it really happened. I don't know if I made it up. Well, so what if you made it up? That was my second question. It still can be useful to you. You know, if you made it up, you know, okay, so what? I mean, it came from somewhere. Well, that's like, I mean, gosh, yeah. I'm a, 
my job is book indexing, so I'm doing a book on Kierkegaard, who I'm sure you've read, and uh, I don't even know if I pronounced his name right. And he talks a lot about like imitation art and creativity, and I believe there is something like insanely important in the creative process that um, for every single human, just imagining. But that is always my question about these past life things is, of course I could be making it up and so could anyone else. That's why the Cleopatra cliche is so interesting to me that I'm sure in your, did you have people, actually I'm not sure, I should ask you, <laughs> did you have people? Never, n never, no, they were never anybody famous. Were people seeking that though is my question. No, they have very pedestrian, very pedestrian lives, you know, just like normal lives of whatever sort, sort from whatever century or whatever place or, you know, you can read a, a thousands of studies of people who actually went back to places um, where they believed or could visualize a village and then they went back to the village in Ireland and it was there, you know, and they met all the people that they knew, you know. There are hundreds, thousands of cases of that. So do you anticipate... Um anything extraordinary or profound when you die or do you just think uh you don't know and you can't know i don't know and i can't know <laughs> and how comfortable are you with death as a subject given your career and your background and your thirst for knowledge well as of now um as i get closer to it uh, um i my thoughts are that it will be harder for everybody else but me oh wow that's exactly my opinion yeah i love that you know, I mean, my, my daughter who loves me dearly, my son who loves me and some friends, um, it'll be hard for them, but I'll be, you know, somewhere else or nowhere, or, you know, I'll be, um, spirit or dust. I, you know, it does, it, you know, I don't think it matters for me. I think my task is to live well here because that's all I can do because I don't, I don't know anything else. Well, and you've given a lot of good advice casually throughout this podcast, but I do want to put you on the hot spot and directly ask you with all of your work in past life uh, regression therapy and, and hypnosis and just in therapy in general, what is your essential like life advice for someone, someone who's young, someone who's like 20, 30, something like that. Make the most out of your life, you know, live well, you know, love a lot. Um, be kind to people, um, be kind to yourself. Actually, speaking of that, what is the most reoccurring positive thing from past life? So you, you got into like, you know, I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done that. What about like the, thank God I did that. Was there anything like that? Yeah. Thank God. Thank God. I, I, I lived an interesting life. I mean, you know, maybe that's my perspective is, but live an interesting life, you know, allow life in, you know, live it fully. Be brave. That's awesome. And we have very little time left, but I did want to ask, um, not if anyone was someone famous in a past life, but what is your favorite dinner party story from past life? Uh, I, I guess my favorite story is a past life I did for my, on myself. Not that I did it for myself. Someone, someone did it for me. And I asked, you know, because we did it so many times in practice, I asked to go back to my happiest lifetime. And I assumed I'd be, you know, in the 1700s, the 1800s, I'd be a noble woman. I'd be dancing on tables. You know, it, it would be, you know, it, it would be a lot of fun. And what happened is I was a man in that lifetime and I was a monk. <sighs> and <laughs> right. And not only was I a, a monk, I was the head of teaching in the monastery. And as if that wasn't a harsh enough life, I gave it all up. And I left and I became a wandering monk as a beggar and a, and, a, and a teaching wandering monk. And that was my happiest lifetime. And that blew my mind. <laughs> That's crazy. And actually St. Francis is like my favorite 
story of any saint, and that was essentially what he did. Um, so that's really cool. I admire that a lot. Wow. Well, this has been like, I thought this would be very interesting. It has exceeded all of my expectations and then some. So Amy, I'm so thankful for you. Thank you for coming on my podcast. Thank you for helping us put another nail in the coffin. And thank you for inspiring me with um, plenty to go on here. Um, Is there anything you want to add? No, it's just been a pleasure to talk to you. And um, it's exciting what you're doing. Um, and thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Well, likewise, and uh, to the rest of our audience, this has been another episode of Coffin Talk Exit Interviews with the Living. My name is Mike Oppenheim, and we will see you soon.